Hello friends, my name is Jumont McGowan and welcome to Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia. This podcast was funded by the National Lottery Community Fund and Epic Projects, or the Ecumenical Project for International Cooperation, who are a US-based non-profit organization. If you're curious, go to their website, epicprojects.org. All right, our guest today is Jean-Jacques Seliton. Jean-Jacques is a strategic health facilitator. He's a fully qualified PT, a sports massage therapist, a swimming coach who's worked with Paralympic athletes, and a director and co-owner of the Sports Therapy Hub in Liverpool. He's worked for Liverpool City Council as their health and well-being lead practitioner and exercise specialist since 2020. John didn't receive support at school for his dyslexia, and it wasn't until he studied a foundation course after his GCSEs that he received any kind of help. After a couple of failed HE attempts, he entered the fitness world, settling in Liverpool City Council as a fitness instructor, embracing his abilities to communicate with people verbally and emotionally. He re-entered higher education as a mature student. He was in his early 40s with two children when he started his full-time BA course, for which he earned a first-class degree in sports development from John Moores University, Liverpool, in 2021. And he's currently studying for his MPhil. As always, this is a podcast to support the brilliant work of the Dyslexia Foundation. Their mission is to unlock the full potential of dyslexic people so that they can succeed and contribute fully to society. They do incredible work. They test any adult off the street and they teach them to read for free. And they also have a free online screening tool which you can use to assess yourself or a loved one for dyslexia. All right, so... um... So, so we've already tried a couple of times to begin the uh, the interview, but um, we're having connectivity issues because uh, we find Jean on a family holiday in Snowdonia. Yeah, we, we've we've uh, gone deep, deep, deep into the holidaying experience. So we've, uh, you know, the, the signal <laughs> can't catch us. We're uh, evading any type of ICT technology, which is obviously an inconvenience for getting on a podcast, but it's absolutely yeah. delightful to spend time away from devices <laughs> with people you love. Absolutely. So. Uh, pros and cons, pros and cons, but yeah, we're definitely uh, enjoying ourselves in the uh, in the beautiful countryside there. Uh, had a lovely day yesterday at Bala Lake. Um, everyone got um, as close to nature, if you know what I mean. <laughs> there was yeah. uh, some very uh, questionable swimming going on. Um, but yeah, we had a fabulous time at the lake and uh, we've just been enjoying celebrating a couple of uh, our birthdays. So my daughter's just, t- well, she's going to turn eight, sorry, five on the 8th of June. And then two days before that, it's my birthday. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice time to spend uh, a festive time um, with your family um, and just get away from all the, you know, the normal responsibilities we have in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm- Given you're a health practitioner, um, do you ascribe to you mm-hmm. know the the Japanese theory around forest bathing and and how therapeutic it is to be out in the uh, in green and nature? I, I think the close and you get this. I'm sure you appreciate this as well with your, your own um, uh, kind of natural experiences. The further away you get from um, devices, technology, responsibilities, the more zen you get in. Um, sure. I, I think we all go, oh yeah, this is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so yeah, the, the the more you can kind of like derobe <laughs> and declothe <laughs> and kind of get into something that's uh, very very uh, natural. Um, are you into the um, the Wim Hof, you know, uh, uh, um, temperature, you know, uh, getting out into freezing cold water um, uh, uh, mode of health thinking? I'm not a, um, an absolute disciple, but me, um, me uh, a good few years ago, about 10 years ago, I started doing um, open water swimming when it wasn't um, terribly popular. So, you know, going down to the, um, the Albert Docks um, was like a bit of a niche thing. There was uh, very few people doing that and um, just, you know, the, the, on the, the fringes of a kind of like outdoor activities. And what I've loved over, over the years is that humans seem to have uh, reclaimed the shoreline. So you're getting all these 
lovely aquatic animals, these humans who return into their dolphin yeah. states and getting <laughs> straight in. And um, I think that that's, that's a positive. So once again, going back to, to, to nature, going back to the shoreline, the waterways, we've all been hunter-gatherers on those shorelines waiting for the tides to come in. We've drawn our understanding of our environment from the, uh, those very you know, telling kind of like nuances in nature. And I think that's that's programmed in our DNA to kind of enjoy those things. Um, so, in fact, the other day I went to uh, my first coached paddleboarding session, which was with a friend of mine who, similar um, stage, he's, uh, we'll get into that stage now where leisure time and family time cross over. So I think gone are the days yeah. where, you know, you disappear off to, uh, to go and do your own physical activity. It's kind of very much into woven into your family life and um we wanted to get a bit more uh, coaching on a paddleboard with the intention of taking you know our, our young families out and enjoying the and nature so i went there as um uh, knowing that I, I you know i'm not when it comes to new things like that and my friend there nick he's a physical performer he's in arts he's surfed mm. he's a he's about four foot shorter than me so he's got a lower center of gravity <laughs> and he's just a natural you know, athlete in that in those regards. Whereas I've, I mean, in my few experiences going on a paddleboard, um, I, you know, I knew that I, I needed I, I needed coaching <laughs> because mm. I wasn't staying on there. So anyway, yeah. so we, we got on the uh, the paddleboards, and it became one of those lovely little um, experiences where if you try and rush, force, or kind of in any way, don't go with the the flowing movements, then you get an automatic correction where you kind of fall off into the water. So I quite like those yeah. like um, those boundaries with learning where if you're, you're kind of disencouraged by going at it with the wrong uh, intention, which in, in, in the paddleboard experience is the smash and grab operation. You need to be yeah. flowing and, you know, a lot more zen once again. And, uh, and then um, you're rewarded with a lovely glideful ride. But if you go out there a bit too enthusiastic, then it's the other way around. So, um, yeah, so that's, and to see everyone kind of like enjoying those new kind of, uh, or, you know, people are claiming back um, those types of activities in those types of environments, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so lockdown, I was, I was locked down for most of it um, quite near the Thames. I mean, I'm, I'm a London boy anyway. Um, I have been living up in Liverpool for a couple of years. Um, and the, because no one could leave, They'd retaken the Thames back and people were swimming in it, which I don't, you know, I don't advise everybody do. Uh, but, you know, kids were swimming in it, paddle boarding. Um, I mean, I mean, the good news is it, the Thames was declared dead in the 1950s and slowly life has come back to it as we, you know, stopped pumping raw sewage into it, understandably. Uh, but, yeah, it's, um, like you said, it's, it's an incredibly heartening thing to see um, because... Yeah, we're hopefully realigning a little bit more with um, that connection that we we used to have between ourselves and, and nature, which is which was sadly lost. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's there's little uh, what should we say? There's a contrast within that. So we're you know here we are enjoying a lovely little time here, but to get to express these feelings with um, and uh, kind of situations, we need to have the technology to do that. And uh, so it starts to become, once again, you drag back into the, oh, where's the, where do I have to stand with my phone to get my signal working? So everyone's yeah, like yeah. uploading to their family uh, WhatsApps and, you know, to get share all these amazing photos and think experiences we're having. But you've got the frustration of um, being stood outside with the, I suppose it's the 21st um, version, 21st century version of kind of like getting an old clothes hanger and get, trying to get your TV to work for the A-team to come yeah. on from the 1980s yeah, yeah, yeah. so may maybe these things just echo through time but <laughs> it's certainly um yeah it's uh it's a bit of a contrast with technology and nature but with, with as ever humans will find the, the the harmony you know that's it that's it balance isn't it balance in all things um as the ancient greeks said um yeah so talk to us about how you found um found your work i mean was it was it through um, an injury of your own was it through um, your uh, a, a sport that you found through through being physical? Um, I think you know uh, in terms of expressions. So uh, my own little journey um, through 
the structures we've got in society was was um, mislearning. So, from from a, um, a schooling point of view, um, and with having dyslexia kind of like being unrecognised or undiagnosed, um, both from the institutions and from you know like myself and stuff, you kind of draw a little bit of a kinship with the the physical expression you you, you get a little bit of a um uh sanctuary sanctuary with that don't you you can express yourself Definitely. in a in a very kind of like a you know in a you might be feeling angry you might be feeling frustrated you might be feeling happy but all of those movements can be put into you know expressing yourself into a, a physical context so i think that's where it, it, the um the physical world kind of like became quite important to me was being able to express myself in a way that was um sometimes results from you know other experiences so i am um, you know, through, through the course of uh, my life, I've always been physically active. We've got a very physically active family. Uh, my mum and dad are uh, well into their 70s and they're doing the London Marathon walk um, next wow. week, uh, whenever it is for charity. You know, we've uh, we've got um, a lot of... Um, we, we go, uh, we've got French family, so we do a lot of mountain walking. Um, you know, my dad, we talk about Vim Hof, my dad's kind of into that, those types of new approaches. And I think it's just that connectivity that you can always find a way to express yourself in a healthy um, and uh, expressive way. So that's where it's always been um, uh, uh, present in my life and certainly for uh, my family. Um, like my mum and dad actually my dad met my mum through physical activity he was a good professional um semi-professional rugby league player uh, from the uk and they were trying to promote phys- uh, uh, rugby affairs they call it so rugby league in france and when he went mm. over um as a as a uh, you know 1970s kind of like international playboy he um he met my mum and uh they <laughs> got together moved back to the uk and then um, I had a family over there. So uh, that was through sport, you know, my dad not not really knowing what he was doing. He's living in a caravan somewhere in Bolton. And he thought, you know what, I'll go and play rugby league in France. And he's ended up with a life-changing kind of connection that, that happened. So I think that's a little bit of a, a metaphor in our family for as to what physical activity can do for you in, in the different areas of your life. Um, so it's always been a, f- a high priority. Yeah. Um, so, so is it rugby league? Is rugby league the the the, the family the family sport? Um, is it other things? I think you know we've just been uh, in, like I said, with the family today. I think we've played every every single type of sport. Yesterday, um, we were out on. We got permission off the farmer. We combed out an area that was on a slanted hill, and we coned off. Uh, so there, there was no way that this was a, uh, a, a typical uh, uh, playing field. And by the cones that we'd put out to kind of mark out the, the heavily cow-patted areas, which then became some kind of informal touchline. But, you know, we were playing for those 70-year-olds and then the young, my daughter's the youngest, so she's four. And everyone's just running around, having fun, flying around in cow pats and, you know, trying to defy gravity with a game of football that's on a, a, a hill. <laughs> so that was that. Someone's mentioned today about uh, touch rugby. So I presume it's going to be under the same physical situations and kind of like, you know, fun elements of the environmental setting. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't think really it's, it's that relevant what the activity is, as long as there's fun and expression uh, underpinned within that. But yeah, the, the rugby element has been uh, present in our family. My dad, I think he played every season uh, for 40 seasons. And I think his last game was like when he was 65, open age rugby. My wow. sister, who's always been a, a very good football player, she, uh, when she was living in Azerbaijan, decided to do um, rugby. With six weeks into her rugby union career, she was in the Dubai Sevens for a, a team called the Caspian Cats, which I flew over and uh, supported her there, which was absolutely phenomenal to watch. Um, and wow. a hugely proud moment. Um, my brother's a very active, uh, he's, a, he's one of them annoying, light, fast people. So he's like a, a super good fell runner. So by the time everyone's kind of like getting ready here in the morning, He's been up two or three mountains, and he's, he's he, he he does that to a really really good level. 
Um, so yeah, wow. there's there's physical activity that goes on in every direction. I kind of cut my own little uh, path really because it's it's quite tough to walk and you're uh, you know everyone needs their own identity. So I I, I tended to gravitate more towards um, individual things where I could express myself and. As a as a kind of young man, uh, still with those kind of energies and frustrations, I really put myself into um, uh, combat sports and um, love boxing, love Thai boxing, messed around a bit with mixed martial arts, um, and that was always my little uh, expression, and that's that still continues uh, now. I mean, obviously not to a, a crazy good level, but to a level where I feel that I can, um, you know, make physical improvements and mental you know, uh, clarity and also express myself in a, in a really, you know, uh, concise way. Uh, but yeah, a lot of that came out with the um, experiences that, or the acquired anxieties that you get through uh, education and probably mm. feeling a little bit excluded from from certain types of activities. So I think that was a direct um, uh, kind of result of that. Yeah. I mean, anybody who even has a cursory knowledge about Liverpool knows that it's an incredibly active city in general, um, mm -hmm. has got a rich yeah. tradition of fighters, fighting, mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a Gaelic football to an extent, rugby, rugby league. Yeah. Um, and I'm I, I completely mirrored in my experience, you know, the, the, the frustrations I would have academically, the release that I would have kicking a ball around with my, my brother in the street. Um, yeah. Everything, you know, was... was really um a way of venting frustration um and and connecting again because you sort of i don't know about you but the sensation i would feel in a math class my brain and my head sort of disassociating from my body mm -hmm. and all those feelings of self-loathing and um and feeling like you're being left behind to then just be able to run around and chase a ball uh really helped mm -hmm. alleviate the the stress and 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 sadness that that had uh, crept over my entire body yeah definitely i mean the i think if you think if you were to design a teaching system that would really like kind of um not take into account the energy factors of the room if you were looking to kind of yeah. just like lock children down into a grid wooden desk system and be like this is how you're going to learn and this is how well, basically, you're not going to learn. <laughs> and then you make them yeah. stay there for like six hours a day. And uh, and then, you know, there's there's bound to be emotional situations that come out of that, that are, it's, it's, not, it's not a healthy thing. You're not prioritising the, the needs of the, the learner um, uh, or all the learners in the room. And I think that that is a common theme, is that people who tend to have a, a not terribly healthy t uh, time in the classroom tend to do... That express themselves a little bit better on the, uh, in whatever physical activity they're doing, and that um, that really should be encouraged um, because I don't know anyone. Big time. I mean, we talk, we're talking there about like the uh, you know um, in Liverpool being a very active city. What's always amazed me is that we know the uh, you know the, the the kind of like benefits of physical activity. We know like the immediacy of that so the moment i mean within my day-to-day -day job people who, who, who come into the, the leisure center and the gym who are completely oh i don't go to gyms i don't do this i don't do that yeah. these they, yeah. they've put those own labels on themselves immediately i can get them to enjoy that activity because you've become a um a little bit of a guide into how to access these things that you've taken yourself away from so that shared yeah. uh, experience is actually available to everyone. So that really becomes, the, well, it has been my little um, campaign, a little crusade, if you like, for 15 years, is to how to uh, articulate that shared experience into something that ties into the local economy, something that ties into the, the issues that we see with health inequalities in particularly Liverpool city region, and into like um, a, a sense of civic pride and community cohesion. So all these things, are available and I experience them in, on a day-to-day -day basis. But the, yeah. the, 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 that transition into uh, that being more promoted through policymakers and kind of like um, political figures, it's, 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 it has been, um, there's been a disconnect. But I think now there's, there's most definitely um, a little bit of a, a, an awareness and an understanding to kind of like, well, actually, this all makes sense. If we can mm. put a preventative healthcare model in place 
in an area of the UK which has got horrific kind of like statistics in and around inactivity and you know there's people dropping dead of natural causes in their 30s in, in parts yeah. of the city and that we can we can address that by saying well hey yeah we've got these guides we've got these people we've got these health and well-being practitioners let's go and see how we can show these uh document these kind of like um uh interventions that are going to have a huge uh, kind of uh, scale out into the rest of the country and maybe even particularly internationally. So I've been trying to uh, articulate from just my, my my job for a long time and then it became a little bit um, evident that I needed to go to different platforms to, to kind of like vocalise these types of things. So within my work role is most definitely heavily, heavily rooted as a practitioner. I practice, I deliver. But in order to document that, I had to branch out a little bit and like uh, accept that I needed to kind of um, articulate myself in an academic framework. And that has kind of kick-started this whole new readdressing what education was, which is all very, very recent to me, Jude, as well. It's like, it's only three, yeah, I graduated last year. Um, so yeah. I started my uh, undergraduate degree th three years ago, uh, four years ago. And uh, that was a completely, you know, in, into the unknown. Um, I got a little bit of encouragement off my, well, a huge amount of encouragement off my fabulous wife, Layla, uh, who recognised that I needed uh, to cut from, like I said, the 15 years of campaigning to kind of push these, uh, this type of pre preventative healthcare model. And then you need to be able to say this in a way, way that's going to be recognised and understood. And I was like, I can't go back to uni. I'm not, you know, academic. I'm not um, the, all these, uh, once again, all the all these feelings that I was having about um, uh, acquired anxieties around learning. I was that person going into a gym saying, I can't go to a gym. That's yeah, not my exactly. place. But I was saying that, I was putting those labels on myself about um, communicating and going back to expression, about expressing myself in a way that, was going to be the, the 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 bigger picture, so that was that was a, a bit of a, an internal battle that I had to do, and mm. the only way to kind of address those issues was dive in, and then, yeah, and that's exactly what happened. I returned back to university with a full time job, uh, two young uh, children. I think they were like two, so yeah, so two and uh, four at the time, and then. You know, I had other commitments that were going on, as you do with a, in, in 21st century life. And um, it was probably the worst time to, in terms of, uh, in a practical way, to kind of go back into something that was going to be a huge emotional and, like I said, a, a personal uh, uh, kind of like um, uh, growth, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, a vehicle for growth. And um, so... It, but there we go, the love and support I had was uh, enough to encourage me to do that. And then once I kind of got me, uh, you know, got myself settled in that, I, I really started to kind of like feel comfortable in it. And um, it just amazed me <laughs> that all those years of negative, structured, uh, desk-bound, remedial class settings, all those years of, uh, you know, unquestionable limitations and intellectual, you know, all, all these things were, were put on you. They just disappeared with, yeah. well, not disappeared. They they evolved into achievement. They grew into expression. They made themselves, I made a healthy, an unhealthy situation healthy and expressed that in a context that makes a, a huge amount of, which I'm, you know, completely committed to. So, so that's like a little bit of a, um, uh, that's hugely satisfying to be able to articulate yourself in a way that you can express the changes that you want to make within yourself and within the world that you live in, but through a, a, a vehicle that you, you, you'd missed that train. You couldn't get on that. That was that you didn't have the ticket for that, that kind of yeah. thing. So it was all very much, um, uh, like I said, um, into the unknown. But it's been an absolutely amazing journey. It still continues. I love that. I mean, I love that. There's, there's, there's so much there. Um, I love the duality that you talk about. You know, the the figure of eight. You know, there's, there's 
um, the education and exercise element married with trying to affect within your community change. You know, there's, there's, uh, those are the ways to, to change your community, change oneself and then attempt then to, to um, show your community the, the benefits of, the, of, of those two things. You know, to, it, it's a testament to it's never, ever too late. And, you know, you can only start from where you are. You know, you can only eat what's on your own plate. You can only, um, you know, go back into education from the point that you're at. And you should, you know, you should absolutely start education or exercise at any point in your life. You absolutely can. Um, sadly, um, you know, FE colleges and things like that have been closed by this current government. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um but uh, it, it it breaks my heart. You know, p- people should be able to approach both those things and not um, be social conditioned to think it's too late or I need to look a certain way yeah. um, or I need to be a natural athlete yeah. um, or, you know, I'm not the idea of um, what uh, someone should be. You know, if you can lift 10 kilograms, you can lift 10 kilograms. That's fine. That's where you start from. Um, it shouldn't deter you from from beginning. Because, um, as you said, I mean, the health benefits, it's a, it's a big thing for you. I know that prevention um, is, is the best form mm-hmm. of um, treating illness. And, and, and that's, mm-hmm. that's so self-evident. I mean, the, the work you've done around that is extensive. It's, uh, I'd love us to talk about that. Yeah. I, I think, well, the, you know, uh, the way that my brain understands things is with big themes, and then I'll refine that abstract, whichever direction I'm going, I'll refine that through practice. So that, that seems to have been something that's kind of like, once again, it's, this is all very new to me, but it, it seems to be making a lot of sense. And the theme like, has been health and health promotion and preventative health uh, models come into that. And um, as I've been following this kind of like, you know, the, 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 this kind of, uh, or this journey's been evolving along the way. And... With, and you touched on the, some uh, a political kind of landscape, which I'm not going to go into, um, <laughs> but I will say that it does create a situation. So when you have public sector and 63% cuts from, you know, what the situation we're in now, then, you know, people, from, from, from a budgetary point of view, it's easy to close le- leisure centres. It's easy mm. to, because it's non-essential. It's easy to have a look at restricting library times. It's yeah. easy to kind of like start one-stop shops, etc. So these these things become um, unavailable because of factors that are outside of ide- ideologies that we probably uh, you know agree on. Mm. Now, what going back to the theme now, what I'm really trying to articulate is that the real currency, the real economy we have, is our health. Big time. So if we're investing. <laughs> And in our own health, then we're going to make a mad, uh, you know, th- th- those uh, strained public services and NHSs, we're rewarding ourselves by not, uh, by being more empowered to, 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 to live a healthier and less restricted life. So if we can change the concepts of looking at like uh, traditional uh, uh, economic budgetary systems and look at health and wellbeing budgets, like we've seen with certain international examples, then yeah. that, that's, the, that's a real um, positive way to move forward. And some of, you know, I've articulated that in different ways. And one of my undergraduate hypothetical uh, projects was uh, looking at active travel within Liverpool city region. And basically what my recommendations was, and it's all very, very blue sky thinking, but why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah. Let's, you know, let's, let's explore these, uh, you know, crazy ideas. And basically what I was saying is if we're looking at like some international examples where we've got like in Belgium and uh, the Netherlands, where you get um, your mileage back for getting to work uh, in an active way, right? So if I choose to get me lovely, nice new cycle to work bike and I'm covering my whatever on my Strava and I'm, uh, I'm documenting what I'm doing in terms of active travel, that offsets the carbon emissions. And guess what? Everyone's signed up rightly so, to make the world a better place. So how yeah. do we encourage behavioural change within people and uh, physical activity and, and, uh, and, um, and active travel? You, you pay them. 
<laughs> and that funding becomes available because we've changed the 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 uh, what well, we're saying. Well, actually, we're going to invest in all these kind of like carbon emissions uh, practices and policies and whatever goes in with that. But all we really need to do is create a, a, one of the things that we need to do is promote physical activity and mental well-being using the infrastructures that have already been put in place and they're developing within that specific area. And then say, hey, we'll give you twenty. We'll give you twenty-six p per kilometer or mile, yeah. whatever we want to do. And then guess what? I, I, imagine that active community of people who are going in and like, you know what? I'm, the, the amount of time I'm say, saving doing this, the amount of money I'm making doing this. So, the little things like that that might, you know, like I said, be a little bit kind of out there and not necessarily like a normal uh, way of addressing an issue. I think having. Um, uh, um, a brain or an understanding the way I understand things is having a look at an overview of something and then almost like seeing how you can get there and that's like a dynamic whatever you want to call it thinking process which doesn't necessarily fall into schooling structures it doesn't necessarily fall into local government doesn't necessarily fall into international politics so if we're looking at these different ways of doing it with the huge challenges we've got in the 21st century I think the dyslexic brain or the neurodivergent, you know, way that can be, uh, there's learnings in there. There's these huge learnings, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Um, the benefits of, of, of having someone who can take a step back and look at something from a different perspective, it, they're valued as well. I mean, we talked about that, you know, in business, quite often employers will employ people who think the same as them, have the same type of intelligence as them, and then are infuriated when they get the same ideas again and again and again. We we need people to come up with creative ideas to to alleviate the stress and strain on the NHS, for example. You know, this government is obviously intent on um, privatising, um, no matter what they say, and... Mm -hmm. um, uh, really compromising uh, the the NHS. Well, if if you're going to go down that route, and if you're going to starve the NHS of, of funding, well, um, why don't you prevent people from even needing to go to the hospital in, uh, to begin with? You know, get get them moving, get them active, uh, get them thinking about food and 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 processed food in a different way, uh, because then they'll enjoy their lives more. Um, they'll derive more more pleasure from 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 their bodies, and we won't see them. You know, with things like heart disease and um, you know, uh, dying from, 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 uh, poor diets. Um, it's, it, it's, it's makes so much sense. You know, when you, uh, even have like a cursory idea of the benefits of, of, um, exercise and, and good nutrition. Uh, and then of course the conspiracy theorist in me kicks in, you know, all these industries <laughs> that sell people, um, junk food and, and mm. things like that. Maybe they don't want you mm. to, um, to know, to know more, you know, I mean, that's, that's why they're the two probably most crucial things available to us, education and exercise, because once you go down a path of knowledge with both of them, your perception of, of the world and um, the people trying to sell you stuff within it changes quite significantly. Mm. I think, yeah, I totally agree with you there. And I think one of the most, uh, like like we said, one of the most immediate effects of uh, uh, doing physical activity is it's, it's, it's one of the only things you do by doing. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, a lot of yeah. like um, a lot of things that you set in place, and it, there's a lot of that. But literally, from step to step, from p posture to position, all of those things you're, you're experiencing through action, and I think that's really key. And that has kind of been a little bit of a um, uh, a kind of uh, linchpin for going into um, the the way I've approached my postgraduate, where those big things that you've just talked about there is like promoting uh, healthy eating, healthy living, healthy, all these things. How do you communicate that to a population that might be quite hard to access? Uh, yeah, might be yeah. people, this is sometimes within, you know, we understand the stresses and strains of like kind of advanced clinicians and physicians and uh, people who are looking after people's health. There's a culture that comes from being reactive because it's panic stations all the time. So looking beyond yeah. that, might be might not necessarily be a go-to so how do we um communicate um that these types of interventions are going to help within those populations and um when i was having a look at what direction to go in for me postgraduate um one of my uh, uh university supervisors at the time was like have you thought about doing action research so where you're a, an academic who's practicing so a pracademic if you like 
I was like, I had a little look at this and I thought, well, that's exactly what I, I, I need to be doing. It's like, because I'm not really, I understand that, you know, that the whole clinical side to it where you've got these set laboratory situations and all that's going on. But I think that's definitely not going to be my style. I need to be uh, interacting, engaging, need to be dynamic and need to kind of uh, address those things. So through the course of, um, didn't give myself much of a rest time, but through, from the uh, undergraduate, I was already making plans for me, me postgraduate direction. I had a couple of um, different directions to go in, which were all based around those same themes of health promotion and kind of preventative healthcare. And then I looked at... Um, the uh, d doing a health um, intervention for um, my employer, Liverpool City Council staff. So what I've done yeah. is through lockdown, I've been liaising with the health and wellbeing lead, who is uh, an amazing guy called Josh Carrington, who's kind of come onto the scene um, recently uh, with all the new priorities that we've got in the, in the 21st century world we live in. So Josh was approachable and um, he was really responsive to this gift wrapped project which was all benefiting the, the the health and well-being of of our staff cohort so we've set about doing a, a pilot which we've completed um and then that was really a dress rehearsal for how i'm going to run with me, me postgraduate and then what we're doing is we're, we're moving this forwards into um the um more of a formal template but essentially taking a preventative uh, kind of like uh, approach to our staff and then we, they can come and access these health interventions. They get direct and on, all the, the level of service that you're going to get with it. But we've, you know, we're being forward thinking about this. We're saying that this needs to be put into work time. This needs to have management buy-in. How do we do that? We get managers on it. <laughs> we start showing them yeah. the benefits by them actually doing these things. And then through the, the, the Physical Activity Exchange, which is LJMU's kind of like world-leading uh, research institute for sports science, we document these yeah. things. And we, we, we put all these things in a way that's very, very um, communicable, that's uh, articulated in a way that kind of makes perfect sense uh, to whatever we're, we're, we're doing and whoever we're talking to. So once again, it's like this next stage of how do you communicate these, what would have been completely uh, unattainable um, messages, or I wouldn't have known how to express these things in a way that would have been... Um, understood you know i'd have an internal yeah. voice about what i'm trying to do but that voice would be frustrating and locked down and mostly like riddled yeah. with all kinds of bad stuff but now oh yeah how do we move forwards and then about so it's all kind of a it's come together in a very very nice way and it's nice to be able to have an active um, and uh part of the, like I said, the, the areas in 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 the, in the 21st century or in the future that you'd want to want to have an addressment from because that gives you some empowerment. It gives uh, whoever you're benefiting empowerment, and it creates this, as we said, like a uh, a little bit of um, a wave of action which is positive. I've never been in a, a leisure centre or a gym environment where people aren't sharing that positivity <laughs> by doing yeah. things that are improving their health. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's so many exciting elements to it you know that you could potentially sell to any employer right so um within this institution within this business um uh, we're going to be looking after or thinking about or will help you think about what you eat so that might prevent sick days so we don't lose money from sick days and if you're getting here on your own steam you know mm -hmm. there's a traffic jam if there's problems with trains there's going to be consistency of you getting in because you're getting there either walking or you're cycling um, there are so many um, smart business moves that, that, you know, it's not merely that you're helping the your, your workforce to potentially be, uh, to have better concentration, um, to have a better immune system, you know, to be able to, to work quicker, work longer. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's very exciting. And, you, and the, the sort of things that you, as you say, like, we should be thinking about these things in the 21st century. Uh, you know, why aren't they, these things already in place? Um it's it's is a is a question you sort of ask yourself, but to be, I think it also helps you feel a sense of community because I know the the few times I've I've worked within a, a sort of office situation, the uh, feeling disconnected from people um, is is quite common. You know, not not feeling like you you're part of something and you're just making money for somebody else. Um, to then bond people in that way would 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 equally help just as much as as making sure that they're in um, 
consistently and that they're feeling healthy and feeling motivated. Yeah, I think it's you're totally right. And uh, the the thing that brings us all together, we should be looking for uh, commonalities. We should be looking for things mm. that we share. And um, I think a lot of the times we, when we're at, when we're not being as productive, we're not being as healthy, we're not being as uh, as unified as we can be. Is we're looking for differences, and there is that yeah. tribalism that goes, which is natural. We've got we, we've got those things that go on, um, where people draw a common understanding from people who 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 they, you know, uh, uh, connect and are comfortable with. But having being able to, uh, I, I really enjoy meeting new people. I really enjoy whatever they, they're bringing in. Um, I get interested in all kinds of different ideas and concepts and a little bit kind of like overexcited about how, how that can contribute to this and all of that. But it, it's, it, I, I understand that that can be exhaustive for people and sometimes they just need that little bit of a, okay, it's blue, we're just the blue today. You know what I mean? They're just gonna stick yeah. with that one little thing just because everything else is so completely overbearing. But if we are looking for those, uh, those, uh, those things that we, uh, keep us like, uh, comfortable and safe and simpler, then let's go to the things that we know are really, really, really good for you. <laughs> you know, yeah. and if there's a, a way that we can like start kind of like, oh yeah, I, 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 I tried running, it wasn't good or I had a bad experience. Well, let's find the way with people who are very, very well practiced as uh, practitioners to deliver something in a way that's going to be a little bit more um, uh, inclusive and engaging uh, rather than just having these, these, these kind of like flash in the pound type of uh, health promotions that I don't think have got any sustainability to them. So if we're putting yeah. those into, into the, 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 uh, the kind of infrastructure that we've got, then they're seeded and they're going to stay there, and we um, and that yeah, I think we're I think we're getting there, Jude. I think it is kind of moving that way, uh, but there's always going to yeah. be, um, you know, we're not going to say barriers. There's always realities about everything we do, isn't there? So we just need to accept those realities and think what's the best way for everyone to move forwards in and around those realities. Of course, I mean it's all about the the gateway drug, whatever that is, you know. Um, I'm trying it with my siblings um, because you know, I, I, I'm a trained PT as 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 well as um, my my many other hats I wear as an actor and uh, teacher. Um, so you know, my hook was weightlifting, um, and I've done, I've done many things. I've run marathons. I've done I've done things like that. But but really, you know, this is sort of cross training. Uh, you know, I've done MMA as well. But when you find that gateway thing, whatever it is, and you know, I found it. You know, in terms of my academic approach, was through acting. Um, it, it, everyone has a thing. Everyone has something they can be hooked into, hooked by, mm -hmm. and then they can uh, healthy habits develop, you know, uh, whether it's education or physical exercise. Yeah. And we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast, but just about how the industrial revolution form of education that we all go through, sadly, in this country still, doesn't lend itself to what is that thing? What is your gateway into learning, into enjoying life, really? It's more about can we get you past your SATs, GCSEs, mm -hmm. A-levels? Can we get you into university? Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's sad that the focus of education isn't what is the thing that is going to um, bring you more into contact with yourself and, and the, the, you know, the, the life you want to live. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think that the, like you said there, that little gateway, um, there's, there's there's a little interplay which goes on where people are finding that that little um, expression or that little in, and uh, that's definitely something that you can you can have a direct effect as family members. There is also yeah. the danger of becoming that exercise nag, which you have to be cautious of to people who, who are very physically active themselves, who just yeah. constantly wheelbarrow people. Um, and that, I don't think that does anyone any favours because it starts to become a grind and you need to be... I, in fact, I've, I've got little systems to kind of um, make sure that doesn't happen within um, uh, certain situations that I've been involved in. And... Um, and that's yeah, that's that's part of being having that knowledge of what the, the 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 dynamics are within a relationship and how you can encourage all of these things. But once again, going back to kind of like having an innovative mindset, I think that that, that like say for example, if if we're we're talking about people who uh, might um, when, when it got to lockdown, right? Um, I yeah. really 
wrote, I got very, very vocal and wrote big emails to everyone in the powers that be, politically, um, corporate-wise, etc. And I was like, we need to keep leisure services running to safeguard a second wave of the, on the NHS post-pandemic. So borrowing yeah. from what the supermarkets are doing, we bring in people with various conditions. We can account for numbers. We can account for hygiene. We can blitz the whole place after. But movement needs to continue. People need to move. And it's okay. So, you know, you can understand from a... from, from a um, You're making a big decision about a crazy situation that we, we all kind of embarked on. But once again, if you're prioritising movement and, and health, then let's find a way to make that happen because we know what's going to happen. Mental health, we know what's going to happen. You know, bones and joints, we know what's going to happen cardiovascular-wise. We know what inactivity is going to yeah. bring and, and, and isolation is going to bring to, 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 uh, to, to certain groups. Anyway, that was a real, that was a long shot. I just felt like I wanted, I needed to kind of get that out there, see how yeah. what came back with it. And I still, I still think it was a, a valid thing to kind of um, say. What did happen was that um, there was some innovations that came out of lockdown, which I think were wouldn't have happened otherwise. And um, one of them um, was my wife, who's a dancer, um, was doing some amazing work with the Brain Charity, and they were doing um, physiotherapy through dance. So there was a physiotherapist, a dance practitioner, and they were dealing with certain health populations. Now, with that all coming from the, the um, lockdown point of view, they used their innovations to move all that online. So those patients were still getting uh, treatment, but they were getting engagement, they were getting dance movements, they were thinking about the actual, uh, you know, the, the health components that they were doing in an interactive and fun way. So if we have a look at the innovative way of doing that compared to the industrial way, which was just right, actually we're stopping everything, for you to get a physiotherapy appointment, you're going to have to go on a waiting list, which is going nowhere. <laughs> All your health situations getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and you're like, well, actually, there's if we're if we're prioritising health, let's find a way to make it make it carry on. And um, yeah. and I think that's once again, I think that's just uh, these these things naturally uh, occur and happen. But I do think having that kind of like. Um, that more preventative mindset is a, is, is a catalyst to make these things get a, a little bit more, um, get, gain a little bit more traction. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I want to conclude by asking you what what idea do you have moving forward that you really, really want to put into effect? You know, uh, the, because you've talked about a few ideas. You know, be it at work or be it within your local community. But what is your dream? project um that you mm. hope will encapsulate all these ideas that we talked about preventative measures helping community um i'm sure i'm sure you've thought about a couple of them oh yes i mean this there's um, once again one of these abstract notions has been uh, floating around and as a direct result of what we started off the podcast with that kind of restrictive lockdown classroom environment just does not bring any room for individualness it doesn't bring any expression in there and it's it's not a good environment it certainly wasn't for me um to, to be in that and i think that what i'd love to do at some point in the future um is do working alongside with higher educational partners working alongside with uh, with um kind of schools and different user groups i'd love to create a physical activity curriculum based learning um, system that could be applied at first for neurodivergent um, students who may have been excluded from the classroom, similar to myself, but somewhere where you can go, learn physics, maths, science in a physical way that makes sense to yeah. you and uses all that energy for uh, for, for, for uh, actually doing this. We know there's certain things like uh, neuroplasticity. We've got certain language skills that we can really engage and take a, a harness really well. Once we've got our uh, like little, you know, once our, our endorphins are firing and we're like, oh yes, I'm active learning now. I'm doing this, and I kind of all yeah. these things would come to me. And as a, uh, what I was like, kind of like um, 
it's it's out there. I've made absolutely no steps to make this happen, right? But yeah. that is something that I'd love to be able to engage at some point in the future. I'd like to leave that as a little uh, legacy. And, you know, I'm not precious with it. If anyone's looking to, to do anything along those lines... Um, I don't think that you know having ownership on on, on a on a, on a theme is gonna it's, it's gonna hold uh, innovations back. So I think that having some type of physical activity curriculum based learning um, that uses innovation within that as a as a as a core component, I'd love to have a, any hand in developing anything like that. That's very exciting. I mean, good luck with it. Um, I hope it happens for the good of everybody. Um, can we give a little shout out to your to your social media and and and, um, and your work? How can we find you? Well, yeah. So I think there's only one of me all over social media. It's such a, a unique name, but Jean-Jacques Salato. Um So that's that's me. And then um, in terms of like having a look at what's going on with the local uh, situation, have a look at um, some of the. Uh, the bike life report. So we talked about the active travel. So Simon O'Brien in Liverpool City region is doing some amazing stuff with um, uh, kind of like developing the infrastructure in and around the the bike lanes. That's that's definitely hugely positive. Have a look at some of the incredible values that are coming out of the uh, Liverpool City Council. Some of the new directives, like people and talent, um, and like I said, the, the the priorities in terms of where they want to place the new service structure. Um, and then obviously some of the incredible work coming about of LJMU um, as a research centre. So all of these things, I think, nudge things along in a direction that's going to be a little bit more sustainable, a little bit more um, promising. And certainly, uh, you know, I feel, I feel quite um, honoured to have a little, a little bit of uh, influence with how these things are, are getting shaped. That's great. Wonderful. Thank you, Jean. Thank you so much for giving us your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your holiday. Thanks to you, Jude. Cheers, man. You've been listening to Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia with me, Jude Monk McGowan. And my guest today was Jean-Jacques Sinato. There are more conversations in this series. Just search Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia, and subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And if you want to support the charity or access its many services, go and visit dyslexia-help.org. This podcast was funded by the National Lottery Community Fund and Epic Projects, or the Ecumenical Project for International Cooperation. EPIC is a US-based, non-profit organisation. EPIC creates bonds among caring people devoted to solving global challenges of poverty, food insecurity, environmental degradation, human rights and making peace. Please go and visit their website, epicprojects.org. And if you really enjoyed this episode, please go rate and subscribe. Leave us a little review even, it really helps the podcast grow.